Shemaya Kroiso. Hello and welcome to the New York Welsh podcast, the podcast that celebrates Welsh success stories while hopefully inspiring the creation of some new ones. I am Gideon. And I am Richard. Today, we are lucky enough to be joined by Davey Newington, uh, the frontman of Cardiff band Boy Azuga, who are playing Rough Trade at the end of October as part of their transatlantic tour. Uh, yeah, their music draws on a lot of different influences from the likes of Black Sabbath to African synth legend William Onyabor. Um, their breakout hit, Face Behind Her Cigarette, has been, has been all over the radio. Yeah, we chatted to Dave over FaceTime while he was actually in a van moving between locations for a music video shoot. Oh, it's so rock star. <laughs> yeah, we were lucky enough to catch him as he was preparing actually to fly to Germany the next day. So uh, we caught him just in time. The audio isn't as crisp as it usually is, our production grade quality audio, but uh, it's gritty. It's real. I like it. It's appropriate for the context. Um, it was especially nice to, to talk to one of the bands that was involved with the Seuss campaign last summer. For those not familiar, um, the Seuss stands for Save Womanby Street. Um, Womanby Street is the short street in Cardiff with loads of live music venues. Uh, it's described by one of the venue owners as the aorta of the beating heart of live music in South Wales. Yeah, what happened was there was a developer who put in an application for a residential building, which would have actually restricted the hours that live music could have been performed, uh, which of course would have been a death sentence for the music scene there. Uh, so basically everyone rallied together with a petition and a march uh, of all different types of people, uh, and eventually the application was withdrawn. Yeah, the, the long-term success of the campaign um, was that the Welsh government enshrined a new planning policy uh, called the Agent of Change Principle, which protects existing businesses, uh, putting the onus on new developments to mitigate any potential noise problems. Yeah, and similar changes have since been made, um, both in England and are now actually being talked about in Scotland. All because of this crew. Yes. Uh, so, shall we hear from Davy? Yeah, why not? Our man in a van, Davy Newington. It's running. I'll figure out the levels as we go. Hey. Hello, mate. How's it going, man? It's going well. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. This is Richard. <laughs> Hello. Hey, how's it going, Richard? Okay, I'm Dave. Dave. <laughs> nice to meet you, Dave. Um, you mate, too. how long have you got now? Uh, I've got about, well, as long as you need, really. I'm kind of on the move, but I've got Signal. Okay. So it's all good. This is my friend Toby. He's, we're doing a music video. He's driving us now. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Toby. Mate, thanks for taking the time. All good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course, of course. What, what, um, what music video are you doing? For what song? So we're doing a cover of my girlfriend's dad's band, they were called The Table. They were like a 70s punk band. Oh, yeah. Um, and they had a song called Do The Standing Still, and we're doing a cover of that. Do The Standing Still? Yeah, yeah. They, they called themselves The Table so they could be a household name. That was their whole thing. <laughs> so, yeah. so basically, they just do puns. Yeah. <laughs> That's very cool. That's very cool. Well, yeah, like I said, thank you so much for coming on and taking the time to talk to us. That's a pleasure, man. Um... I read somewhere that you started your musical career banging on a biscuit tin to Queen's Greatest Hits. That is true, yeah. Your parents must have loved that, mate. <laughs> they, they actually instigated it. It was like, well, not the biscuit tin, but it was my dad. He, uh, my parents are musicians and my dad had done a tour and he came back from tour with a, a video of the Greatest Flicks tape and... Um, we would like, I don't know, we just, that was always seemed to be on. And I just 
for whatever reason just gravitated towards that and um yeah i just i don't know i don't know where the biscuiting came from i think i was probably like playing along and they just handed me the cricket stumps and i just used to yeah cricket stumps as drumsticks cricket stumps as drumsticks and then the biscuit tin is a drum and then yeah just play along fantastic (laughs) i mean queen queen's very catchy say it again man queen's very catchy i loved queen when i was a kid yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah, it's a big part of growing up really (laughs) and i suppose it helps that you're from a pretty musical family then yeah, no, it really, it, yeah, I was really lucky because they, um, I could, I, th- I remember like my mum and dad gave me, a, when I got my first drum kit, I had a toy one for a couple of years and then had lessons and I think they could see that I was kind of like taking it seriously um, and they let me have a day off school because my drum teacher in primary school, my, my actual teacher was happened to play the drums. Yeah. So, and her and my mum were quite friendly with each other and um yeah, she, they, they both agreed that I could have a day off school so that I could stay home with my drum kit to set it up. <laughs> play with your new drums. Oh, that's really nice. So, yeah, it was very lucky. <laughs> um, what, sort of, what sort of musical background are your parents from? So, um, my mum and dad actually met in the BBC Orchestra of Wales. My dad's a violin player yeah. and my mum's a clarinet player. Um, they had quite different, like, upbringings, but they... Um, yeah, they both like my dad's from Southampton, my mum's from Scotland, and they just happened to meet in Cardiff when they were in their early twenties. So um, yeah, there was like a lot of classical music, and my dad's a big jazz fan growing up. Um, but they were also really into pop music stuff like Paul Simon and Electric Light Orchestra. And my dad's a um, massive like Alfred Hitchcock obsessive. Oh yeah, he absolutely loves his films, and he loves Bernard Herrmann, who did all the music for his films. So there was quite a lot of... Um, I think I probably saw Psycho in The Birds and all of his films when I was, like, too young to really be watching them. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, that was, like, a big, big part of stuff growing up as well. But, yeah, I guess there was just always, like... It wasn't, like, one particular style of music growing up. They were they were always open to, to different stuff. And I could never really... Even though they hadn't really heard much, like, metal or hit pop they were never like you can't listen to that when i was a teenager they were always really encouraging just to listen to everything very cool um how did you so how did that influence i'd say your music today and where do you i guess take your uh inspiration from um kind of a a lot of those things i'm still like a massive fan of like especially the beach boys was another one that i really grew up on and they've really stayed with me as well like um, I absolutely love, yeah, pretty much everything Brian Wilson has has been a part of, and I, he's just like a huge inspiration to me. And um, I, I really, the film Love and Mercy as well that came out, I absolutely loved that. But yeah, I guess um, it's kind of like I think that the the variety, I guess like we don't really have. Um, I, I don't think we're that like experimental or like diverse in our music but i guess it's not just like what we are basically just like a rock pop band it's nothing out that out there but i definitely um there, there are like differences between uh, like a song some of the songs will be really fast and riffy and then some of them are a bit more like melancholy and melodic and um yeah okay the 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 songs are kind of always just i i get i'm sure you guys are the same you'll you'll be like really really into a uh, a piece of music for like maybe a couple of weeks and then 
a couple of weeks after it'll be oh it's the new obsession or whatever it's kind of like especially nowadays i think it's, it's, it's people get like um you kind of flip between like inspiration or whatever so um the project's always just kind of been whatever i'm like obsessed with at that time yeah. So there was, I had a period like a couple of years ago where I was like, really, I still love Black Sabbath, but I was particularly like just listening to Black Sabbath. So a couple of the songs have got really like heavy, like, well, it's not that heavy, but I wanted it to be like heavy riffs. Um, and then, yeah, and then, but then maybe a week later, I'll really be into David Axelrod or something like that. And I want to do like lush string stuff. <laughs> so yeah, I guess that kind of like eclecticism, I hate use that word because it's overused but yeah just that that maybe that's kind of inspired still inspires me yeah you, you must have been going down to spillers is it it's a kind yeah. of institution yeah st yeah like still to this day still go to spillers if i have enough money <laughs> yeah i'll yeah. go down there but yeah yeah i love it in there and they're they're kind of like it's it's like a cliche but it's one of those things where i've I often like i'll it's it's the record I leave with that I hadn't gone in intending to get. Like, yeah. you'll go in. Uh, I remember, like, discovering Ty Siegel in Spillers because um, a friend of mine, Ben, was working in there. And I, I bought a record, and he was like, oh, if you like that, then you'll probably love this record. And it was Hair by Ty Siegel and White Fence. And I just fell in love with that. And, uh, yes, yeah, a similar thing happened to me in high school. I went to buy a teacher of mine who told me to go and listen to Can, and I had no idea who Can were. I, I only really listened to the, the Foo Fighters when I was like 15 and I went in and I I, lit, I got a can record and while I was in there they were playing Marky Moon um, by television and then I bought that record because it sounded so good so yeah it's kind of I love Spillers and they're always like trying to turn you on to new stuff that's great that's great now we're going to ask a, a little bit about the album because I didn't realise at first but the album you wrote that and recorded that Alone, yeah. alone, essentially, before you had the band. <laughs> yeah, that's right, yeah. So are well, we talking was... like, you know, you in your bedroom with your laptop or...? No, no, there, there was a bit of that. Like, I, I've always kind of, like, written and recorded stuff um, at home, especially as a teenager. I'd kind of, like, go and hide in the shed and record really dodgy Nirvana covers. My mum had, like, a little cassette recorder because she's a clarinet teacher, so she'd often record her pupils... And there are a bunch of cassettes of me when I was like 13, 14, singing songs off Nevermind in a really dodgy American accent. <laughs> but I would, uh, I would like, I'd go to, um, yeah, I, I had like Garage Band and I dem some of these songs I had since I was like 18, I demoed them at home and stuff. And then, but I was really lucky to meet Eddie Elshikachi who produced, mixed and engineered the record. Um, yeah, Eddie's an incredible musician and producer really. And he, he we we made the record in his house so it was made at home but it's not the typical home rec recording because his home studio is full of these like amazing synthesizers and he has loads of amazing equipment and stuff so it wasn't like oh yeah i made it on a laptop or whatever yeah. it was like it was yeah it was really really um yeah it was i really genuinely like really feel lucky to have met ed because i i'm i'm fully aware that like hope I'm I'm pleased with the songs, but I think his production just it just kind of opened up a whole different world to me. And we would um, we spent a long time making the record. Really, we'd kind of stay up all night just grafting away and trying new sounds. And he's he grew up on similar stuff like Queen. Mm. He's a massive Queen fan, but primarily 
he produced he spent like more of his life producing hip hop um right. and um he just gets like amazing drum sounds that's kind of what initially like turned me on to his stuff um but yeah so yeah we just kind of became really close and yeah he I'm making the next record with him now and uh, the boys in the band Dylan Dav and Sam they're going to be playing on the next one as well and we more collaboration going on but yeah <laughs> okay okay and where where did you find the boys for your band are they the people you you'd known a long time or you auditioned for them or yeah so I I've known I've known Dav the longest Dav the drummer he's an incredible drummer he plays um in two other bands called Afro Cluster and Men on the Chessboard in Cardiff and um, I was just a massive fan fan slash envious of his drumming skills because um, yeah, just, I knew him when I was a teenager. He was always just the the drummer everyone knew and sort of wanted in their band. Right. <laughs> um, and I kind even when I was playing in other bands, I kind of had in the back of my head like, oh, I'm going to steal Dav for my project. Um, but then yeah, I guess um, some music blasting behind me now. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's real. We love it. But, um, then we've. Uh, Dylan and Sam. Dylan, I knew from his project, Dee Dee Derillo, which is amazing. He plays the keys and guitar in the Boyazuga Live Band. Again, he was just a same with Sam. Sam was in a project, is in a project, sorry, called Shoebox Orchestra. And he asked me to play drums for him. And I couldn't do the gig because I was gigging anyway, but he sent me his record. And I like, I just, yeah, just it really knocked me out. I thought he was an amazing songwriter. And um, yeah, I kind of just found these three guys and i was like on completing the record i was like oh it'd be really good to start gigging this live so um i just stole them from their other projects basically and they're trapped with azuka now <laughs> yeah. this might be a good time one of the things we, we'd been discussing because I, I wasn't familiar with it was the the save um woman woman v street in cardiff yeah is yeah, I, yeah, we yeah. gather that's something that you've been involved in or you guys have as a, as a group have been involved in can you talk a little bit about that yeah, two seconds, man. I'm gonna go. Up. Hey, Cliff. How okay, you doing? Man. Safe, man. You alright? Trying to jump in. Yeah. Sorry, guys. Just, Don't be uh, sorry. <laughs> no, that's good. <laughs> this is uh, Cliff. Hi, Cliff. Hi. How's it going? <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, it was that that kind of whole thing was happening. I think it was last year. Now my memory is terrible, but uh, there was. Club Eva Bach, which you guys probably know, yeah. on Wumby Street, um, it was facing closure, or at least it was facing threats of people who'd moved in that were complaining about noise and stuff. So um, I think that people basically were just like, this is ridiculous, you know, that venue's been there for such a long time, there's so much history to it, it just it seems absurd that people can move in to a place where they know there's something sort of cultural happening and decide they have the power for it to shut. Mm. And I think it seems to happen everywhere where venues are just like my cousin's in a band from Edinburgh, and like loads of venues are closing in Edinburgh, and it just seems crazy. Um, so I think people basically just got together and were just like, um, "This is bullshit," and uh, and um, people marched. And I think there was actually like a surprising amount of people. Like I think it, there's always you know there was obviously going to be like a certain group of people that were annoyed about it musicians and people who go to gigs but i don't think they were necessarily expecting such a massive turnout and there was a march on city hall or by the museum in cardiff and there were i don't think i'm wrong in saying there's like thousands of people or something there it was yeah, like it was right. like a huge turnout 
Yeah, what, what I read is a real mix of people too. Like mixed, there was some local MPs, some music execs, yeah. uh, local councillors. Even Eddie Izzard was there. Was that right? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, like it was just, it was just loads of loads of people, and um, I, d- I don't know. I feel like that that happening, and there seems to have just been like. Uh, I don't know whether it's just because I'm at the right age now. When I was a teenager, maybe I just didn't know as many people. But there seems to be like a genuine kind of like thing happening in in, in Wales and Cardiff at the moment, where there's just loads of people making good music and playing in each other's bands and stuff. So yeah, it's, it's been really good. I think that maybe it takes that kind of threat to actually put a rocket up, up you know, up the the. The, the community or whatever <laughs> yeah no i think it's, i think that's great and um well it's clearly played off for you because you know I, we understand you signed for uh heavenly recordings is that right and they're a they're a london-based label but they've 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 got strong welsh representation in the past right yeah yeah so they um that was kind of i i'd i'd, I'd heard of heavenly through um h hawkline signing to them um, and they have King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard, who are just one of my favourite bands, a band that kind of, like, I just look up to a lot and have been obsessed with for a few years. Really? You're better than and, um... <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> <laughs> But, yeah, it was, um... Yeah, it's kind of like... Yeah, they just seem to have the right... Um, I don't know, they... I think... I've... I, not that I'm old enough to be jaded or done enough for any of that, but I'd kind of, I'd been in bands for like a long time uh, since I was a teenager and I was become a little bit skeptical of like record labels and stuff, or at least like quite a scary thought giving away that much um, uh, control or whatever to, to people, but then obviously always wanted to be able to release music. Um, and when I finished the album, I actually just, I'd said to Eddie I was going to put it on SoundCloud, mm-hmm. but it was Eddie who produced it who really encouraged me to to approach labels and Heavenly. I think because of the Wilds connection, because they had bands I liked, and they seemed to not be afraid to put out music that was maybe a little bit more on the fringes and a, a little bit open to experimentation or whatever. It kind of they that really like turned me on, and so um, yeah, basically just messed like contacted them and didn't hear back at first i think they heard the record but it was like i was a bit disheartened for like about a month or something but then they they got back because uh, of a guy called mark thomas from shape records and um, used to live in cardiff he lives about an hour outside of cardiff now but yeah he came to one of our gigs with cliff actually who sat here and um this is a long story but i was teaching in uh, the uni of south wales teaching drums and he was lecturing there and he'd happened to be at one of our gigs and I saw him in work on the Monday after and he he said to me, oh, I was at your gig and, like, enjoyed it or whatever. And so he messaged Jeff from Heavenly for me that day and then I was walking my mate's dog in Roth Park in Cardiff and I got an email from Jeff from Heavenly saying, oh, we like your record and we'd, we'd love to release it and stuff. So it was, yeah, it was a proper... It was like a dream come true. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, in the meantime, were you looking at other labels? Were there other people on the table or was it always you just... You really wanted them? I had... I had I, I, I kept, like, a load of notebooks for all stuff regarding the first album, so I had a few ideas for music videos, album artwork and all this stuff. But, um, yeah, like, I and I had a list of people I wanted to, to contact after Eddie had said you should do it. 
and um, Heavenly were genuinely top of the list. Like there was there was a, there were other labels on there as well, and I did I spoke to like a couple others, but the um, yeah the conversation with Heavenly was just really exciting and getting to meet all those guys. They they are like just genuine music fans, and when I first met them, Jeff Barrett was basically just dancing around the office to new music he'd heard. And we didn't actually, we spoke a bit, but he was kind of like putting records on and giving me cans of beer and saying, check this out, check this out. And it was kind of, yeah, exactly what you want. Yeah, it's <laughs> nice to see someone sharing your enthusiasm. Yeah, and he plays music really, really loud as well. He's kind of famous for like blowing speakers in their offices because he just gets so excited. <laughs> uh, you mentioned your music videos. I Because I, I've, yeah. been, I've been watching a few of them and... I was wondering how much, how much of, of their concept comes from you or does it go out to like an agency who does that? All of it. <laughs> all of it. It's all me. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, it's very much like a collaborative thing. Like okay. we, I'll have like an idea of what I want, but then the guys at OnPar who are filming today's video, actually, they, um, they're just amazing and they, they've, they've gone out of their way to, to help us and support us, really. And they've done like a bunch of videos for other Cardiff artists as well. There's Buzzard, 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 um, Sock. They've done. I mean, you've done loads of videos of you, Toby. But yeah, they're kind of like they seem to be connected to like everyone in the in the Cardiff scene. <laughs> Cracking. Have you got Have you got a f- um, a favourite of one of your videos? Favourite video. Um, yeah. I think actually, Face Behind a Cigarette is my favourite one, just because it was the first one we did, and um, I was like. Okay, cheers, man. I was kind of like, yeah, just kind of like, actually, I tell a lie. It wasn't the first one we did. Lona Boogie was the first one we did, but it was, um, it was the first one we released. Okay. So it was like, um, sorry, guys. Yeah. It Don't was be sorry. Like the cigarette. It was like I think there was the pressure to do the second video, and um, I just kind of crammed like as many ideas in as possible, and it was just loads. Fun to do, but it was cigarette was the first one we released, and it was kind of like a bit of a moment putting that out because it was the first introduction outside of my like family or friends to the band. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I think definitely in cigarette, you definitely see a lot of those earlier influences. I think coming through, right. um, which I think was really cool. Um, I'm, I'm I'm interested to know you, you've obviously performed a lot over the UK and Europe already. You've done Green Man, Jules Holland. You've obviously got your UK and US tour coming up, which we'll we'll talk about. Yeah. But have there been any favourite gigs or you know anything particularly cool that's happened over the last kind of few months? Um, it's all been great. I think my favourite though was Green Man this year, because um, that festival is just like uh, pretty like it just means a lot to us really. Because I've I've been going there for years um, as a punter and always just kind of love being there. And I think it's quite close to home. And this year we played there, and we just had like a, a really, a really great crowd and stuff. And, um, yeah, it was just it was, it was it was just a real moment. And do you guys know Big Jeff as well from Bristol? I don't. Sorry. He, he's like a um, he's this guy who basically just is a, he's kind of famous for being like a music enthusiast. And I went to Primavera with my girlfriend a couple of years ago and Jeff was there and it was like, Jeff goes everywhere. He's just really recognisable. He's got big curly hair. Um, but he was DJing on the same stage as us. And uh, we did a cover of Jungle Boogie with Dav's other band, Afro Cluster. And Jeff came on and was doing percussion with us and stuff. So yeah, it, it just felt it felt amazing. Green Man was, was definitely a highlight. 
That's awesome. You're, you're coming to Brooklyn soon. Um, I'm going to be coming to see you. Richard, Richard. I, I am for sure. I'm going to be in Colombia. Don't show off, Rich. Don't Sorry, show I'm off. <laughs> I'm not going to be there. But yeah, what, what can we expect at your live show? What's, what's, a, what's a gig with Boyazuga like? Um, so we'll be doing a, uh, obviously like a bunch of stuff off uh, the album, One Two Kung Fu. But we play like some new stuff live as well. Um, and yeah, I guess it's just, yeah, we try and just make the gig really fun. And because uh, some of the songs are a bit melancholy or whatever, we um, we do them. But yeah, there's like, I don't know, just like an emphasis to get, uh, just have a good time, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, turn it and, into yeah, a party. Yeah, yeah. And the, the, um, my, my girlfriend and dad and friend Craig like I, in one of I talked about those notebooks earlier I put in one before that it would be cool to have like a suitcase full of maracas and um, for my birthday last year we had like a couple festival gigs they bought me like a 50 maracas off Amazon <laughs> and then they like personally like drew on each of the maracas with the gig the gig dates of our tour so we could give out the maracas oh nice stuff. so that was cool so yeah there, there might be some maracas although i've ran out of those maracas and they're really expensive so it depends if we have funds there'll be maracas for the crowd but um if not you just have to clap your hands i suppose <laughs> i think i think we can manage that yeah um, are you, are you <laughs> is it, i mean are you excited about playing to this that have you spent much time over here in the u.s before yeah we really really can't wait it's like genuinely didn't ever think we would be coming out to america uh, as this as this band or whatever but it's yeah it's nuts so you've so not I'm, you've not played in the states before i have done yeah i play, i oh, came okay. out when i was a uh, when i was a teenager i was in this uh, like county jazz band okay and um they got some money to to go to america so we went to chicago on like an exchange student thing so we swapped to this school in Chicago, which was amazing. So we went out there and we did a little tour of Chicago. They came to Cardiff and then we went back a couple of years later. And then the last time I went was with Charlotte Church because I was playing drums in her band. Oh, never. We, we did um, South by Southwest and then like a couple of gigs oh, nice. in New York and L.A. and stuff. So that was wicked. But I've never like done any like of my original music in America. So, yeah, it's going to be a first. And we've been like... We were all like huge fans of KEXP. We absolutely like. Loved... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we're all like big fans of that. So um, we we've got like a a, um, a session with them, which should be wicked. And then yeah, it's just nuts. Like we, I, I used to go into um, Rough Trade in London, and um, it was kind of like. I would always dream of that we'd, we'd be, I don't know, even just have a record selling in Rough Trade in London. So to be playing Rough Trade in New York is ridiculous. But we haven't actually had our visas confirmed yet. Oh, so, no. So, yeah, we'll, like, it, it, I think it's kind of, it's going to happen, but we haven't actually got them yet. So we'll, uh, if we, if it does happen, amazing. And then if it doesn't, then it was lovely to be asked to go. <laughs> no. Well, you I mean, you've still got six weeks before that needs to be sorted yeah. out. You should be okay. Yeah, we should be grand. <laughs> you're, but you're going to be touring that entire time beforehand, but just in the UK, right? 
Yeah, so we've got we're going to Germany tomorrow. Oh, lush. Um, and then next week we've got a week off actually, and then uh, after that, um, yeah, yeah, then it's then it's tour. Awesome. So it's like, yeah, pretty full on, but good. <laughs> well, if people want to get in touch with you or they want to listen to your music, where's the where's the best place for them to find out about you? Um, we're on all the usual like uh, social media things like um, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for gig updates and that. But um, yeah, our music is on um, is on YouTube and Spotify, Apple Music and stuff. I think, but yeah. <laughs> Well, we'll, the, we'll make sure spot. that we include like a link to all of that and stuff when we um, when we when we post this. Yeah, as well as uh, so much, how man. to get tickets as well to the to the gig at, uh, at Rough Trade as well in Brooklyn. Yeah, wicked. Well, mate, it's been such a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you so much for having us. I'm sorry that it cut out and it's been noisy as stuff. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> all the best with Thank the tour, and all the best with Thanks the rest of the guys. music video shoot. <laughs> See you in a bit. Cheers, Dave. Bye. Bye. As always, thank you for listening. Uh, Please remember to subscribe and leave a review for the podcast. And if you would like to get in touch, you can always send us an email to podcast at newyorkwelsh.com. Or you can look us up on our socials. uh, Instagram and Twitter are both at newyorkwelsh. And if you are interested and haven't already, don't forget to enter for tickets to The Great War at Carnegie Hall. Uh, You can enter by writing info at newyorkwelsh.com 